Me and my partner, and this is really timely, we were in Euston last week, Euston area, walking, it was a Friday evening, six o'clock, sun was shining, lots of men in pubs, drinking beer. We walked past a group of men, and one suddenly stuck his hand out, went, high five, big up to the Jufros. And this was a, <laughs> this was a very English, very white, English, very not Jewish person. And me and Alex just looked at each other and went, what? <laughs> Did he just say that? Jufro? A group of women have come together for the first time to share their Jewish hair stories. They're all united by a common look. Big curly hair that makes them stand out from the crowd. I remember on my first day at university, um, everyone had had to send in a photo, a passport photo, and they'd line them all up with everybody's name. And somebody, my name is Sasha Freeze, and somebody had crossed out Freeze and put Frizz. And I was so upset. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time trying to get it not frizzing. The shame of being different, the refreshing power of the weekly rinse and set. What's the hairstyle you're going to go Oh, wait you say, I'm a different woman. Don't look at this, this is nothing. <laughs> a new head of hair for an orthodox Jewish bride. And the battle of the beards, Hasid or hipster. How long is your beard? How long is my beard? Um, so, I mean, I've never actually taken a ruler to it. But it's, not that, it's not that long, really, I mean. Maybe four inches, something like that, uh, from my chin down. Long enough for my kids to pull it. <laughs> for this edition of Sounds Jewish, I'm going on a journey to the world of hair dryers, combs, curlers, hair products, scissors and wigs. But it's not just about the hair on our head. It's also about everything from the way we look, feel, what we believe. It's Friday morning and Vine John Rubin's house in Ilford, Essex is already humming with activity. The canteen's getting set up for lunch and just beyond are three large beehive hairdryers with three elderly Jewish ladies lost in their thoughts beneath. This is where Lisa Bell's clients line up for their weekly session at the Jewish residential home's very own hairdressing salon. And it's a busy morning. My darling, you ready, Gladys? I've got a couple of haircuts and some colour work today, so I'm a little bit late, I'm afraid. That woman up? Yes, that's fine. Let's get all the bubbles out. While I'm with Lisa in Ilford, Sounds Jewish reporter Jacqueline Nichols has travelled westwards along the North Circular to Golders Green. And to Rivka's salon. Rivka is leaning over the sink, giving a client, Anita, a rare treat, shampooing her real hair. It's great. I fall asleep at this point. <laughs> Once Anita's hair has been cut and dried, and she's left the salon. Her hair will be covered up once again. This is in the hub of the modern Jewish Orthodox community of North London. Rivka's salon provides an important service to religious women who choose to wear wigs or shaitels over their real hair. Her client Anita is keen for Rivka to style a shaitel for a 20-year-old daughter who's about to get married. Go 
She wants really tight curls. So brilliant. I'll get someone. Long, long, really tight. It's going to have to be perfect if she's going to buy one. Did um, did your daughter always expect that she would cover her hair when yeah. she got married? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because of the community she's in and school she went to, of course, because I covered my hair as well. Yeah. I just want to describe some of the wigs that we see here because okay. it's fantastic to see these sort of disembodied heads yeah. um, with these sort of very long tresses and um, these are kind of uncustomised wigs. So this is what would arrive for you? Yeah. So this is a range of different um, brands that we sell. Um, you have a couple of pre-cuts you can see on the bottom shelf. Like It's already highlighted and cut and styled. And then you have just raw pieces. Um, the ones on the shelves on, on the left-hand side, they belong to people, so they've been washed and styled for the customer to pick up. You said it was quite expensive. How much is a wig? Um, the brands that I sell can be anywhere from, starting from £450, which is the shortest, and they will go up to about fifteen, uh, about £1,600 is the most expensive and the longest. So um, it goes by length. So can you describe what it was like for you to cover your hair for the first time? Um, I actually wore a wig at my wedding because my hair was quite flat and finer hair, so I wanted it to hold the style. Um, it was it was uncomfortable at first. You feel itchy and conscious and you're terrified it's going to blow off, it's going to move and everyone's going to know. But um, I think it's all experience, time, practicing, wearing, putting it on, taking it off and... Some take a lot of reassuring, and I always tell them, come as many times as you want. You know, it's not a problem for you to come in and just have reassurance or just practice putting it on or, you know, if you need a little bit of tweaking done or whatever, it's not a problem. I, I really understand. It's a, it's a, It can be a really hard, daunting thing. I think the girls who have gorgeous, thick, long hair and suddenly they're covering it with someone else's hair, it's a bit more traumatic, whereas the girls who don't really like their hair in the first place, they just really enjoy it. Um, there was a scare a few years ago that some of the hair was um, Indian hair. Indian hair is given for idol worship. They, they cut the hair, they give it to the idols, like uh, their offering. And then wig makers will take their hair and make wigs with it. But because it's been given already to a, an idol, it's not something that we can then use for hair covering. I remember that. It was, but it was contested, that link to idolatry, wasn't it? I mean, what, there were rabbis who went out, flew out there and investigated. Still, I mean, most hair will come under supervision now. Oh, okay, they come to the hechsha like food. On it. Yeah, I can show you in the wigs. We have a hechsha and a lot of them. People ask for them. Um, but... Um, it, I, when I was studying a wig making course and I did it with a not Jewish lady at all and she, um, she was telling us that she goes to these places in India and they all know if you're making the wigs for the Jewish women you can't buy this hair this is for the not Jewish people but if you're buying for Jewish women this is the hair you have to okay. buy for the Jewish Right. So you said you, they come from Europe or they come from Israel. Most so they of come... the hair is Russian hair um, we do have South American hair Mongolian hair um, but most is um, Russian is the highest quality, yeah. Do you feel, I mean, I cover my hair, but I don't wear a wig. I normally wear scarves and things. Um, do you feel, though, also there's, because you said you, do, you don't want it to slip and then people will know, but part of it is that people know that you're covering your hair. And mm. is the discomfort really just the physical, getting the fit of the wig correct? Or is it also about the identity that you're putting out there when you're going out into the street? 
physically, the comfort of the wig is very important. It should fit correctly. Um, the sizing should be right. If not, then we can take it in or make it larger. It is very important. The worst thing is walking and think it's going to fall off. We have these amazing bands that you wear underneath that grips on the wig. So you don't need to use the clips or combs. It doesn't hurt the skin or the hair. But regarding the the from single to married um, and the look of it, I think I think that's why some of the Hasidim in in the Hasidish sex in Stanford Hill they wear like a second covering on top of their wigs is to symbolize that they are married women. For us, um, we learned that a woman's hair is for her husband. It is a personal and private hair has a seductivity about it that um, the movement, the feeling, the way of running fingers through the hair I once learned that there was a study done of um, I don't know, a number of girls that were in a room talking, just girls hanging out talking and they're just sitting on the desks and the tables chilling and then they brought in a few guys into that room and all the girls start playing with their hair, flicking and it becomes a flirting with a wig, you can't do that. However good the wig is, however amazing the wig is, um, it can look beautiful, blonde, rooting, highlights, brunette, whatever you are, moving, flowing, the most naturalist of hair. You put your fingers through it, you're going to feel every whiff. There's not a seductive feeling about running your fingers through it, and you can't flick it and move it the same way. That's that. That's where... And I think just for the woman, remembering that you have something on your head, like a man wears a kippah and he remembers... God is above him and around him. We're wearing a wig and we remember it's part of our uniform. I'm a Jewish woman. I'm a married woman. Hair is part of our uniform to remember who we are. Back at Vine John Rubin's house in Ilford, hairdresser Lisa has so many eager clients that it's hard for her to remember who's next without a trusty appointment book. Take yeah. through some of your customers. What do you call them, by the way, um, Lisa? Uh, have you got a particular... Are they, are they your, your, your customers, your cli- clients, your... What do you call them? I call them, them my ladies, because they're like family. <laughs> That's better. Yeah. So, so t- take me through the ladies that you regularly... Um, um, my regular ones that I do, I've got Eve, Kate, Lily, Sheila got quite a few phase uh sam manny then we've got mari tilly hetty reenie rita myra natalie and doreen so what has lisa done today for your hair she washed it yeah. and she set it and now she's gonna comb it out <laughs> and make you look like a princess. <laughs> princess Hetting. Absolutely. And you wonder why I work with Ill today because it's just they're not all like me. They're not all like you, but everyone is individual. Yeah. And that's what I enjoy. Yeah. You know. Even my resident some of my residents that I do, I mean I done a lady yesterday. She can't get out of bed, she's not well enough, but I still make sure every week I go up there and it doesn't matter if my back is killing me, she gets her hair washed, you know? So you get a lot out of it with hairdressing. No, never let us there. No, I try my best. 
people come in and they feel a bit low, a bit miserable, they go out like a different person, and that is what it is about. It's making them feel good, looking good. We all like to feel good. Of course, they're coming in for the hair, but yeah. it's more than that, isn't they it? They want to tell you, you know, their life, something's bothering them. It's the whole package. That's what it's about. And that's what you're that's here for That's why as well. I'm here. I, yeah, I think when I first came, I was more just the hairdresser. But over the years, I've been here nine years now, you get to know everyone's personalities. Part of the family. Part of the family. You know, if someone's upset, I know straight away without even asking them. And within a few minutes, you can sort out what what the problem is, you know, and do the hair, and it's just, they're like different people when they walk out. So for me, it's very rewarding. When I first started working here, there were so many residents, I didn't know if I was coming or going, because it's so hard to remember how everyone, what they like and what they don't like, but within time, you sort of, you get to know everyone, to how they like their hair, and what's good for them. Can you imagine some of your clients, some of your ladies, <laughs> yeah. how they looked years ago when you see them now? Oh, some of them I do ask for pictures, yeah, mm. just so I can see. Because yeah. everyone, if you describe something, we all think of different ideas. So, you know, because hairdressing is quite artistic, isn't it? So everyone sees differently. So When they come, mm. what do they look like? The hair's funny, the hair's long. Oh, when, they they, looked... when they come first into oh, the home, some God. of them might have been a few months in hospital. So they're all overgrown and they don't know what day it is. I mean, one lady came in a little while ago. I mean, I couldn't believe it. She was still in her nightgown from hospital. The first thing she wanted was her hair done. <laughs> I just said, no problem. She came in. She was very distressed, but... Like a different person, and you know, every week she thanks me. Every week she does not, and you know, she's she's got a lot of dementia, but she knows I do her hair. She knows my name, and she recognises me. And I think it's important that a lot of people can see themselves in the mirror as well. They're seeing you, yes. changing them. Yes, yeah, yeah. The transformation. Yeah. I, I always look better when I'm. Go out. When I come in, don't look at me. Oh, you always look. Oh, you always look gorgeous. But when we go out, we're different. <laughs> <laughs> we try, don't we? Yeah, we do. We don't have to try very hard. The only thing is. What's your name? Reenie. Um So what's Lisa gonna give you today? What's the hairstyle you're gonna? Oh, go wait till you see. I'm a different woman. Wait, <laughs> you've got to wait and see. They think I'm a miracle worker. I just do what I'm trained she's a for. Miracle worker. She is. <laughs> she's wonderful. Don't look at this. This is nothing. <laughs> hey, you know why I come to Did work you, every day. Do you hear that she's not the style? <laughs> it's wet. You've just had it washed. <laughs> Rooney's had a colour today. So, still at your age, you like to have a colour, look glamorous. Don't give my age your I haven't please. told anyone your age, I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, you're only 21. Thank you, bless you. 22 next year. <laughs> Christmas, I'm 22. <laughs> Christmas. Well, I'm not going to tell anyone the date. No, Jacob. Okay, so Google you. <laughs> so, Rooney, what colour are you going to go for today? I've been this colour for ages. Brown, isn't it? It's a it's it's a dark blonde. So it's, it's a dark blonde. I've had highlights and all. Don't get me wrong. 
You you've had the full works of the oh, I have, I She have. used to have done off. She used to have a tint with highlights. So only was it last year? Yeah, we changed it, and we've gone I'm for this. Too old for it, we've yeah. gone for this sort of lighter tint because yeah, it's better yeah. for your complexion, isn't it? Well, listen, when you got old, you got to go to the. <laughs> you, you go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> you go the way you're supposed to look, and that's it. Got a daughter-in-law. Bless her. Whatever you have done is never right. That isn't. But now I found a hairdresser that believes me. So describe what you're going to do for Reedy now. She's Reedy, just had a hair wash. Reedy's going to sit back on the chair because I've got very short arms, otherwise I won't be able to read. And I'm a short woman. <laughs> We're going to just pop some rollers in, put her under the dryer so it's nice and firm for the week. And then it, stay, it stays pretty well all week, doesn't it? Stays very well with She it, normally yeah. has a little net on when she goes to bed because yes, you're a fidget. Yes, and it stays well. You're a fidget, aren't you, at night oh, time? Oh, terrible. <laughs> I can't sleep in the bed. So, I mean, the thing is, as they get older, a lot of them do sleep a lot in the day, so it's very, very hard. You can't keep their hair perfect, but majority of them, their hair does stay in. We use a bit of super glue, don't we? <laughs> well, I think once we you've use... double beaded... Lisa's already cut, blow-dried and styled a dozen ladies' hair. It's a long day today, Alan. <laughs> How many more have you got off the ring? Oh, no, I, I've, I've got one, a couple, but a I can always bring more residents in, like, for a chat, so it's fine. I've got a lovely lady for you, actually. She's in another wing, but, oh, she is smashing. Yeah. Over in Brooklyn, USA, it's early morning for Mordechai Lightstone, but his day began hours ago online as a Hasidic community activist and a blogger writing about his latest obsession, the Battle of the Beards. Because in the area where he lives in Crown Heights, the traditional Hasidic community aren't the only ones sporting long beards. For now, the hipsters are at it too. I'm just going to turn off the video since this is audio only, so give me one second. Yep. Mordechai knows all about beards. He's sported a long, dark one since his student days at the yeshiva. Could I ask you, sort of, just to start off our conversation, to describe to me the way you look? How, if I, if I can't see you, so how would you describe yourself the way you look, Mordechai? Yeah, so I mean, I guess if you look at me, I have a fairly long beard. You know, uh, at the yarmulke, my head's covered, and my hair is short. So, you know, it's a pretty traditional Hasidic look. Uh, suit, slacks, and, uh, you know, I guess uh, fairly formal attire, even during the, the heat of June in New York City. And significantly, the hair itself. What about that look? I mean, so the hair itself would probably be the most timeless aspect, in my opinion, at least, of, you know, of Jewish dress. Uh, traditionally, the idea of having a long beard or a rabbinic beard, you know, something that dates back, you know, all the way to Moses, as it were. Um, from a Hasidic point of view, the beard itself is something holy. It represents the outgrowth of the soul. It represents, you know, something very deep and very spiritual. And if it even touch it or want to trim it at all, it would be completely, you know, out of the question. You know, for both and people make a joke that all Hasidim look the same because everyone has this big beard. You know, once everyone has beards, so you start to notice the subtle differences and the kind of, you know, the people have, you know, the red beards, black beards, you know, the, if it's all straight, if it's round, if it comes to kind of a square end, if it spikes in the middle, I mean, beards can be pretty, kind of a, be a, as diverse as the people that wear them. 
How long is your beard? How long is my beard? Um, so I mean, I've never actually taken a ruler to it. That's not that. It's not that long, really. I mean, some people have very, very long beards. My beard is probably maybe four inches, something like that, uh, from my chin down. Um, it's not that long. It's long enough. It stands out. Long enough for my kids to pull it. <laughs> As Brooklyn gentrifies and you know people move in, they're recognizing the, the beautiful gifts this uh, borough has to offer. So you have you know either the hipsters or the pseudo hipsters. I mean, I think a real hipster would never self-identify as one. But uh, <laughs> you have people coming in with uh, with big beards and uh, they're sharing space, and suddenly you know it's you know, there are more beards in Brooklyn. What do you think this new set of beards are doing? Are they imitating? Do you think? Do you think there is a sense of acknowledgement of the Hasidic Lubavitch, the Orthodox look? I wonder what you think. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think it's a, a conscious decision to to copy. I mean, if you, if you ask a hipster, you know, a real hipster, I guess, would deny copying anybody because they're completely original, even if they're wearing you know, the same clothes as each other and uh, whatever. But they, they, there's a strong sense of doing everything, you know. Originality, but I think there is a desire, in I think I mean I'm not sure about in England, definitely in American culture, there is this kind of you know sense of nostalgia and yearning for the past. So there is that kind of you know that core connection that we're all kind of reaching back. We're reaching back to Sinai, and they're you know they're reaching back to you know I guess uh, lumberjacks in the you know the 1850s or something. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's a lovely way of putting it, and it, it sounds like you know you, because you're you're watching this happen. How important is your role, Mordechai, in all this? Because you know you, you know you're take you've taken this sort of kind of deep hairy interest, um, and I just give me a sense of why you're doing it, why you are so intrigued by what is going on. Okay, so I have a a Tumblr called Hasid H A S I D or hipster. Um, you know, in Brooklyn, you see a person with a, a big beard and maybe you know a, a black hat or you know a little uh, cap or something like that. You can no longer quite tell who it is. It's a, a Hasid, it's a Hasid or a hipster. you think is most interested in ha- in Hasid or hipster? The, the, the from Jewish community or the hipster community? Um, that's a good question. I think I think both are. I think people in general are, I mean, I would say it tends to interest Jews more than non-Jews, but not exclusively. I've definitely had people who are very not Jewish who reached out to me and really enjoyed the idea and found it funny. I think anyone who lives in Brooklyn has been in on this joke for probably a good decade. It's been, you know, something that's been on the conscious on one level or another for a while now. And, you know, hipsters obviously have their, their pretensions and their, their negative things as well, just like, you know, all people do. But I think that the, and any culture that respects the beard is, is worthy of respect. The beard is back. Well, Mordechai, you know, it's a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Sure, thank you very much.
the Jufro because the most I'm in the odd position of having got very curly hair at the age of 39. Meanwhile, back to our self-help group we heard at the beginning of the program. Six ladies with big curly Jewish hair in search of support and sympathy. For them, it's rare to be able to express the angst and frustration they feel about owning a full head of untamed hair with seemingly a mind of its own. And the thing that I think the wildness is a bit that it's different every day or even throughout the day and like the weather affects it and all sorts of things and when I had straight hair you know I was in control and now I'm not. I've got an incredibly elaborate ritual that's both expensive and time consuming (laughs) and not entirely reliable either (laughs) but it it involves it involves a a very thorough shampoo a conditioner which is then combed through, rinsed out, then an after condition that stays in, get rid of all the water, squeeze it out, squeeze it out, squeeze it out. (laughs) Step out of the shower. Just bear with, bear with. Don't be tempted to get a towel to it. (laughs) Have that water dripping down your back. Bear with. Then another product, Be Curly Aveda. And then, if you're just lucky and the temperature's right, you've got a chance of some decent curls, but don't put a hat on. So the hat thing, just to go back to the hat thing, my, my big thing has been that because my hair is so big, in the winter I can't actually find a hat that fits over it without getting that ridiculous sideshow bob thing um, where the curls just stick out the side. So about two or three years ago, I bought myself quite an expensive, like, Russian hat which is enormous that fitted over the curls it was such a it was such an amazing thing and then I lost it and I was completely beside myself that I'd lost this hat it'd taken me like six years to find a hat that fitted my head slightly different tip on the same theme umbrellas not very good for curly hair because the rain still blows under have any of you tried a rain bonnet you know the ones you get in boots the little plastic things but they've got plenty of space <laughs> hang on <laughs> laugh one minute one minute hear me out first of all the rain can't get under it so your hair doesn't go frizzy second of all they've got a tie thing so you can decide how tight to do it so your curls can like stay in formation and third of all you have two hands freaks you're not carrying an umbrella And do you do you think that anyone sort of transplants anything on your personality because you've got curly hair? Do you think they make assumptions of what who you might be? Absolutely. I mean, I think that people think I have a bit. Maybe I don't know if I have a big personality because of my hair. Or I don't know what you know. I don't know which way it comes. But I know that I was a headhunter briefly, and um, everyone in the office had straight hair, and I was the the loud Jewish person with curly hair. They probably shouldn't have hired me. Um, and after a few months, I actually went and got my hair straightened because I was looking around the office and I was like. I just feel out of place. And I went and got my hair straightened, although I didn't go the whole hog because I didn't get a straight hair haircut, so it basically looked slightly crap. And then I was walking around and I just didn't feel like me. Mm. It, was, it was a huge, like, life-changing experience. And I went home and watched it and I thought, I'm never, ever doing that again. noticed as well is as the ladies come out they all look sort of fluffy yes don't they? Because the, the hair, hair comes alive yeah. yeah 
Yeah, the volume's put, been put back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then if they're sleeping on it a lot in the wake, it can go quite limp. And it loses that bounce, doesn't it? But then they come and see you And mir- miracles happen. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to put a bit of heat on it, Gladys, oh, and you're done. All right, darling. I love all, listen, all my ladies for me are special. No, You're all, all lovely. I'll take her home with me if I had my way. <laughs> it's relaxing, isn't it, Ray? Yeah, yeah, but I haven't got a home no more. <laughs> you have got a home, you're here. Yeah, well, this is my home. Yes. How long friends. have you been here for, Rini? How long have you uh, been at the July home? be four years. Right. And it don't seem a day too much. <laughs> No. My great-grandfather was a barber years ago. I think he used to have a shop in Charlotte. Uh, was it Charlotte Street? In the West End. Yeah, yeah. in the in West Soho. End, yeah. which is now, I think, my mum said, was a wine bar or something. It's been tried because it's quite yuppy up there now. Yeah. Um, my mum also was a hairdresser, so it's sort of run in the family. So from a very young age, I sort of started working at 12, like a Saturday girl. Um, and I was very fortunate. I worked in a very good shop years ago. At what point did you think this was going to be your trade? This was for you, the hair? I've just always enjoyed it. I've never, ever got bored with it. Never got bored with it. You get your off days in every job. You know, you get a bit tired, a bit drab with things. But I never get bored when I come in because there's always someone to talk to, something different to do. Every day is different, you know? We have a little dance sometimes, don't we, Het? But my ladies are great, and they keep you going. And I think it's important that we're talking about hair, but we're talking about something more than that. It's a kind of ritual, isn't it? Yeah. It, yeah. The, the relationship hair, that you build Hair's only up a together. small part of it, really. Yeah, hair's only a small part of it. It's about them feeling good about themselves. It's about trust. It's about everything, really. And when they go out and people tell them they look nice... You know, it just makes a big difference to their whole day. So, you know, some some people have got no family at all. So this is their only treat a week, having their hair done. And by coming into the hairdressers, they feel like they've been out. So, yeah, all good. It's also a little bit like a time machine, isn't it? Because it could be any era. Yeah. It's still curlers, hair, nothing really changes. Look at those big beehive... Hair dryers. Yeah. That takes me back. The hair dryers haven't really changed much. They're still exactly the same. Yeah. I've got one of my ladies just shouting to come out, so I'm going to grab her. So you, <laughs> I'm going to just put a little bit of spray on just to firm okay. it up. So Rini, you've got quite a few curlers in there. Quite a yes, lot. And it's quite settled. You want to see when I'm finished. I promise you I'll look better than when I walked in. You look completely <laughs> different. And if you don't look different, I'll have to get the sack, Rain. You won't get the sack from me. <laughs> so, really, has got a couple of dozen curlers in her hair. Yeah, she's and got... And what have you done now? Just a hairnet put on, just to hold the rollers in place. And then she's going to go into the dryer for about 25 minutes to half an hour, make sure it's all nice and firm all over. Um, and then she'll come out, we'll take the rollers out, give her a nice comb out here? into her style, and um, she'll be ready to do what she wants to do. She'll most probably go into an activity after, yeah, won't you? Yeah. Have a cup anything, of tea. Anything, anything. <laughs> All for a cup of tea. So, Lisa, you've got a chair here, which you're going to put yeah, under the hair dryer. Yeah. She's going to sit under the dryer. 
That's it. Pop your chuckers down. <laughs> right, Rain, I'm just going to pull it on for half an hour and make sure you're nice and cooked. All right, darling, I'll be Lovely. back to check you soon. Thank you very much. See you soon. Thank you. I hope you're still here when I come out. <laughs> so the hairdryer's on. Yeah. So you're good for takeoff now? Yeah, just a like medium setting. You look like a space pilot in there. What did you say? You look like a pilot in there. Oh, I am. About to fly a spaceship. It's the best place. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Lisa manages to close the salon at the end of a busy day, satisfied that her ladies have left with a smile on their face and a spring in their hair. So there are your combs All and combs, hairsprays, clips. We've got clips, mousses, shampoos. I leave here. People do like to uh, feel free to use my stuff, but I don't mind. I'm sometimes a bit charitable. <laughs> um, and yeah, I take everything else with me, really. All my brushes. That's most probably why I've got a bad back, because I've got so much stuff that I have to schlack with me. <laughs> my hair dryer, of course. Is that my margarite? Oh, this is a fantastic lady. I haven't seen Hello. you for ages. How are you, my darling? I haven't been well. You've not been good? Thanks to Lisa Bell and everyone at Jewish Care's Vine John Rubin's house in Ilford, to Mordechai Lightstone in Brooklyn, Rivka's Salon, and our group of women who are still trading big hair stories. Without doubt, every time I go around, she asks me if I've brushed my hair yet, why I haven't brushed my hair yet. This edition of Sounds Jewish was presented by me, Alan Dean, and was produced by Sarah Peters. Anyway, I told her if I brush my hair, it breaks the hair. And she went, oh, really? Okay, you mustn't brush it. You mustn't brush it then. And I realised it could be helped.